Bueller. Are you better off than you were four years ago? I want my MTV. I want my MTV. Shall we play Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Come back with me to the 1980s and the roller coaster ride that was my high school experience. I lived a John Hughes life, and some of the celebrity vocal talent I've assembled to take you on this journey helped to give us all that 80s good time vibe. The names have been changed to protect the not so innocent. Another idea fundamental to capitalism is the profit motive. We sell for profit. Some other ideas are basic to capitalism. Competition, freedom of contract, free enterprise. What do they mean? There was a time when school started after Labor Day. There were rituals for back to school supply shopping. Eraser Mate had a pen where the ink could be magically erased and it was all the thing for a hot minute in 1981. Notebooks morphed into Trapper Keepers, and Mead was the Apple company of notebooks, owning it all. A kid could spend an easy hour standing at department store shelves deciding which cover to select. Was it the skateboarder, some kind of tiger print, sailing, decisions, decisions. My mom got her school clothes, but in 10th grade, she stopped paying for them. I was working. I could save money for my own back-to-school wardrobe. After 10th grade, school shopping went easy on my budget. OP shirts and a few jeans. One store. Under an hour. Done. I think it's good to mention that I was also not a video gamer where I was just pouring my money down the coin slots of the arcade. My brother had discovered the Atari 2600 and Pac-Man at the arcade, but my money was going toward a car, dating, and not toward video games. The last official game cartridge I bought was giving my brother 30 bucks toward the shitty Atari 2600 version of Pac-Man. Remember that? I was in 10th grade, and when we fired it up on our 2600 and saw what it looked like, and you heard this. Man, he looked like a mutant. He wasn't even round. He was all jaggedy with that that coating, you know, like that that eight bit coating. I guess it was too much space to make round edges. I didn't know anything about this with graphics at the time, but my brother seemed to know, and he was definitely crushed because we're looking at this, and the ghosts they're they're kind of blinking, and you can barely see them, and and the sound effects are awful. I mean, here's Pac Man on the Atari twenty six hundred moving about the screen, eating. They weren't even dots, they were dashes. There was no fruit or anything in the middle of the screen under where the ghost pen is. It was like what they called a wafer. What a colossal screwing. I was done with the video game money pit. They say E.T. the game caused the video game crash. I'm gonna say it was Atari's Pac-Man. It was the first time I consciously remember being ripped off as a consumer. From mowing lawns, washing dishes, flipping burgers, to tearing movie theater tickets, I learned the value of money and how important it was to have it. There are a great many young people in the school, Jim. Each is an individual, but in one important way, they're all alike. They're all growing up. Growing up is a problem. 
That leads me to the first day of my junior year and the price tag of a coming prom that everyone was expecting me to deliver. Let me explain why a prom was so important to our class. It goes back to being divided by that middle school and then rejoined at the high school. We were a fractured class and the prom, that was a single unifying thing almost everyone could get behind. The prom is the best dance of the year and is announced early. Generation X was also the transition generation from gym proms to off-campus proms. Now Westwood was a major tourist and resort town, so we had a lot of venues geared toward out-of-towners that would also make a great place for our senior prom. There was no shame in having your prom in the gym, but that was so 1950s sitcom for us. No one wanted it in the gym. The problem was we were broke. Bad sales combined with an apathetic student body well, Mick was kind of right when he said, Our class sucks. Stick to movies. Look, Joanne was great, and she was a terrific person. She was up against a perfect shitstorm. You didn't have many fundraising choices. It was mostly candy sales, and you had to hawk a lot of candy to pay for a prom. The average prom around 1983 cost 10 grand easily. Now do the math to figure out how that divides into a single ticket price plus dresses, tuxes, flowers, cars, you see what I mean? Joanne tried to do different things, and, and while I can't say sausage and cheese was a winner fundraising idea, at least she was trying to think outside the box. Now it's up to you. This is your forum. What is capitalism? When she slid that file over to me in that high school government transfer of power, her wish of good luck meant good luck with the kids in our class. We had a major who-the-fuck-cares attitude, and again, I point fingers back to four years of being pitted against each other in that middle school. I was going up against a lot more than financial challenges. I was going up against an entire indifferent mindset. Every first day of school since our freshman year, our principal, Mr. Hines, gathered us in the auditorium to give the first day pep talk. He let us know the next four years were going to fly, and before we knew it, we would be on that graduation field and heading out into the world. Now we were starting our junior year, and we were more than halfway through high school. If my presidency didn't turn things around for this class in 11th grade, we were going to have our senior prom in the gym. No one would remember the presidents before me. I would be the reason why our prom sucked. I'll end this speech by saying this. We are not only a great class, but we're a damn great class. Yay! Before we go any further, here are a few of the teachers at Westwood. There was Mr. Powell. As I mentioned before, Mr. Powell was this short, gray-haired guy with a nasal voice and looked like he should be hunting big game in Africa. He was the one who had the I Break for Cunnerman bumper sticker on his podium. He would often stand with Uncle Mo, the world cultures and anthropology teacher next door in the hallway, watching the kids go by. Pal would make flushing sounds when the class bell went off, like the halls were a giant sewer system when the building toilet flushed. Mr. Pal had a world geography class he liked to call Maps and Movies. He loved Alistair Cook, and he loved showing us these Alistair Cook movies that took us around the world. And Mr. Powell traveled the world according to a country's beer list. 
he and Mr. B, the art teacher downstairs, were the best of buddies. One day in class, after a test, Powell called the scab to his podium. He was folding and taping up a note to hand to her. Polly, take this letter to Mr. B in the art room. Scab! F now! All right, enough. He handed her this top-secret note with this impish smile on his face. Tell Mr. B I need a yes or a no. The scab, happy to get out of the room, left to deliver the note. Now I sat in class watching Powell, who seemed like he was keeping some great joke to himself. He looked at me, gave a wink, and went back to entering grades in his gradebook. I pictured the scab heading down the hall, down the steps, past Mr. Parna's room, through the English hallway, past the faculty room, toward Mr. B's art room, carrying that note, happy to deliver it. I pictured her marching into B's art room, which was more like an attic collection of years of student art plastered everywhere. No trace of actual walls could be found in his room. It smelled of clay and tempera paint. It was always a buzz with happy kids who loved this man and his teaching. B would sit at his desk in the back of the room, which was covered in papers, likely memos he never read, and at least a dozen coffee mugs kids made him over the years. I could see her marching up to his desk while he was reading the newspaper, thrusting the note right at him. He was Satan, over six feet five with a devil's goatee, black hair, and dressed in a tweed or corduroy blazer. He would look over his half-glasses bifocals with a dead flat stare that said, Yes? Mr. Powell needs a yes or no. He took the note and unfolded it, surely giving the scab a brief look of distaste. His eyes moved to the note from Powell and it read, Isn't this the ugliest fucking kid you've ever seen? Yes or no? And with a straight face, B looked up at the scab and replied, Tell him I said yes. Larry Parna taught English and was one of those teachers you heard about since middle school. Kids stole his shit, his desks, shit off his desk, you name it, they stole it, he'd lose it. I mean, I'm not kidding you. Kids took his phone off the wall. They stole his encyclopedias. They took the chalk, the erasers, the American flag, and sometimes even all the desks. Look, I like Mr. Parna. He was a character. He was extremely flamboyant and colorful, and I could have cared less if he was gay or not. Despite all the grief kids gave him, he kept a terrific sarcastic sense of humor. Welcome back, Mr. Spielberg. Or shall I say, Mr. President? Could we watch a few clips of Raiders of the Lost Ark in class this week, Mr. Parna? I teach English, not filmmaking. But I do love Harrison Ford. He let us watch a few clips from the film that day. Why? I don't know. That's our new running back, Steve. Look at his fucking head. Mick and Steve are talking about Bob Schlefsky, a fellow football player new to the school that year. He and his big afro-like permed hair didn't win any points with Mick and Steve. Coach said they had to get him a custom helmet from the Giants. The fucking New York Giants. Look at that fucking head. There's always an element of kids will be kids or excusing certain stupidity because of them being young. However, Sherry was a girl a year or two behind our class, and she was sick with cancer. 
I never knew what kind, but by the time we returned to 11th grade that year, she'd been hit hard by a summer of chemotherapy. She was now wearing a wig, her skin was white as paper, and she moved so slowly, so tired from her fight with that fucking horrid disease. Bob came over to Mick and Steve, pointing at Sherry while she was at her locker. What's with the wig on that chick? Dude, she's got cancer. It isn't doing her any favors. She needs a stylist. Get to homeroom, Neanderthals. Mr. Monzo was this perpetually pissed off English teacher. I think he woke up pissed off, drank a cup of piss and vinegar for breakfast, and that got him through the day. He was funny, but you had to catch him at the right moment. Catch him in a bad one, and watch out. Hey, Tweedledum and Tweedledumber, get in here. Monzo was referring to these two guys who almost looked like twins, but they were really just good friends. They were just known as the members-only misfits for the black stylish jackets that matched their black feathered hair. They laughed at each other's jokes, and the best comparison I can give you is to Beavis and Butthead, only dumber. They were also known as burners. Burners were the kids that basically smoked pot whenever they could, stealing out to their cars, getting off campus just to smoke a joint, and stupidly returning to class. Principal Hines gathered us for our very first of the year class meeting. This was the one where I would be officially introduced as the new president of the class of 85. I sat in the first two rows with Yosh, Becca, and Jan. They were my new officers sitting right behind me. Just before Hines started the assembly, Yosh leaned forward all worried and asked, Yo, did Hankins fire you? Hines called us down like the price is right. I got to stand right next to smoking hot Becca. It was the closest I had ever gotten to her in the wild. Janice, or Jan, was already nervous, looking with stage fright out to 270 kids all waiting answers from us. Yosh stood with his resolute Vulcan steadiness. If he was nervous, he didn't show it. You never saw Yosh sweat. And out there, standing to the left by the auditorium doors, was our class advisor, Ms. Halliday. Now, Beth Halladin was our hot-for-teacher class advisor who taught home ec and was Martha Stewart from hell. Perfect clothing, hair, and this demure, flirty crocodile smile. She bit off balls and chewed them. And next to her stood Mr. Ricca, the school activities director. Portly, with a bad, wet comb-over, he always looked like Bob's big boy sausaged into a suit and tie. They were both talking, leaning into each other as they did, making sure no one else could hear. They didn't look happy to be there. I could make out Halladin by reading her lips and saying to Ricca, I've heard about this kid. Hines turned the meeting over to us, and Tony was out there giving me a thumbs up. I was on. I want to thank you for your support in my erection and, and my election. And a big shout out to our class advisor, Miss Halladin. Halladin waved with a forced smile and that Queen Elizabeth royalty wave to us all. Here's the deal. We need 10 grand for our prom if we want to have it somewhere nice. Okay, I mean, I have... How much do we got? Hey! Are we broke? Hey! Jan jumped to my defense, taking the bullet. She grabbed the mic from my hands and blurted back... 1,300. That's... That's not so bad, guys. I took the mic back from her and talked to the people. Hey! Hey, do you want to do something about it or do you just want to complain all the damn time? 
Paladin and Ricka stood over by that door with contempt in their eyes for me. He lets them swear at assemblies now? Is that what we're doing? Be proud of this class. As our president once said, if not us, who? And if not now, when? Is he supposed to sound like President Reagan? Sounds more like Nixon. When I look out at you, do you know what I see? I see a con artist wrapping the principal around his finger. I see the best athletes for the best damned high school. The prettiest girls any school could boast. The funniest, smartest, talented people in the best class ever. Haladin was glaring at me. And she was also looking at Ricka, who was whispering to her with distaste. And out there in the audience was a kid named Jess. If Rick Springfield and John Stamos had a kid, Jess was it. He was not applauding. That pretty boy was staring at me, taking in all the adulation for me as the class continued to applaud. He stood right out, just staring back. Mr. Ricka, Westwood Activities Director, leaned into our class advisor's ear and said, We gotta snuff this fire. So the question is, why doesn't he grow up? Different parts of our personalities grow at different rates. Some of us never grow up entirely. 